0: I want to welcome you to today's edition of The Bradley Hall Show, and I am your host, The Bradley Hall. All right, hi. As you've guessed it by now, I am The Bradley Hall. I wanted you to know that I am a certified trauma recovery coach and a certified mindfulness instructor, and a certified holistic life coach. Now, what this means is that I am a trauma-informed, holistic life coach with a focus on awareness, which is the first step to any type of personal growth. Let my 30 years of coaching and my experience overcoming trauma work for you. To work with me, go to my website, bradleyhall.com Look for the coaching tab in the upper right hand corner. You can choose holistic life coaching or trauma recovery coaching. Anyone who ever accomplished anything had a great coach or a great mentor. You should too. You're worth it. Contact me now. Hi, welcome back to today's episode of The Bradley Hall Show. Today, I have the pleasure of speaking again with Bobby L. Parish. Bobby is a therapist and the founder of the International Association of Trauma Recovery Coaches. And today, we're going to talk about the association, we're going to talk about Bobby's story, and we're going to talk about uh, what coaching means and how it can benefit someone in your life. I'm, I'm, I'm glad you're back. Thank you for joining me Absolutely. A, again. Um, Absolutely. obviously um, you're very easy to talk to. And I always enjoy speaking with you. Yes. Um, but yes. so it's, it's good to have you back. So today, you know, I want to talk a little bit more about your journey, about your story. Yes. Um, I want to give you the opportunity to tell your story. Um, and let, let's just start there.
1: Okay. Um, You know, it's interesting because we had exchanged a few messages and you asked, you know, what would you want a trauma survivor who's just starting their journey to know what would you tell them? And I think it would be a lot of my story because if you hear my story, then what I tell people if there's, you know, especially when the students first come into the class, the trauma recovery certification course. Um, and they sit down, a lot of them are feeling like, can I do this? Is it okay for me to do this? You know, I've I've had a lot of a hard time. Can I possibly be a good coach? And so I start off by, you know, telling people, if you think you shouldn't be here, then I want to let you know, if anybody shouldn't be in the position they're in, it's me. Because I have gone some really, really hard and, you know, places that I felt very ashamed um, to get to this point. And so, you know, I I give a little bit of my history and I talk about, um, you know, when I was a child, my mom and dad who didn't have any business getting married, let alone having children, um, that to back up just a tiny bit. Um, In my family, in the generations, um, the firstborn child in any family is given to the church, the Catholic church. So it was the expectation on my mother. She was the firstborn in her family. So the firstborn, if they're a female, they go into the convent. If they're a male, they go into the priesthood. And um, so my mother knew from the time she was itty bitty that she was supposed to be a nun. And she went to, you know, did her Catholic school education, 18 years old, went into the convent. Um, And she didn't feel it fit for her. So she left. And the family felt great shame that they had violated this rule and they could not have any pride in their children because this had not happened for them. And she was very much a lot of shame piled on her. So fast forward a couple of years, she may she marries my dad, um, and things start to go awry. But she feels she can't get a divorce because she's already failed the family by not becoming a nun, and she can't bear the shame of then going forward and getting a divorce. So she stayed in this marriage much longer. Than she should have but one of the consequences of that is what happened to me so my father um a perpetual child just wanted to be loved that's all he ever wanted was to be loved and my mother was like I don't really want to have much to do with you I especially don't want to have sex with you so have Bobby Mm -hmm. you know take this child um because she will stand in my place so i don't have to have a relationship with you and in particular i don't have to have sex with you and so you know for eight years of my life from between the time i was three up until about the time i was 11 um you know my father sexually abused me and the irony is that as a child i thought that was love I thought that was love. Um, And when I reached 11 years old, um, you know, we never talked about why it happened, but I suspect he stopped because he felt I might get pregnant and that would be a bad thing. Um, And then he completely did a 180 on me and rejected me and started emotionally and psychologically abusing me and i can say to people when my father stopped abusing me it was the most devastating thing because he was longer paying attention yeah yeah and i lost i mean my mother wasn't paying attention i lost everything in that time that i thought was love i was devastated so devastated um so you know spend some more time growing up start going through periods of depression starting about age 14 um married you know married the guy I was supposed to marry according to all my family and the problem was is that he wasn't a big fan of monogamy you know so that marriage started to fall apart I was 27 years old And getting divorced, which in my family was horrific.
0: Um,
1: And it was really shameful for me. And that's when my depression went. And for the next five or six years, I bounced in and out of psychiatric wards, um, bounced in between a doctor who I thought might help to another doctor who I thought might help to another doctor who traumatized me by, you know, Telling me things like, you know, this is your fault. You know, you're malingering. You know, if you would just do A, B, C, and D, you'd be fine. And um, lost my job due to my depression, Um, spent some time homeless, and finally found a therapist who taught me what it meant to love myself. And that was the pivot point for me. Because I had never I never experienced love. I didn't know what love was. Well, at that point, my idea of love was what took place between my father and I. Right,
0: yeah, yeah, sure. You know?
1: Um, and even though it was, you know, the sexual abuse was there, but it came with, I love you, you're special, you know, you're amazing. Um, and it tricked me. You know, I really did think that was love. Um, But I started working with Gabrielle. And that was the first time in my life, I think, that I ever experienced what love really was. And she loved me. And she loved me enough to teach me what it looked like. And I learned then, by reciprocating that love to her, I learned how to love myself. And that was literally my pivot point. I went started working with her, and then I went up to Washington State and did a 10-day stay in a hospital specializing in childhood abuse survivors. And they actually cared about what I wanted to learn. They considered me part of my treatment team. They saw value in me. And that was the first time I'd ever experienced that in all the mental health system that I went through. It was always about this is what you need to do here, fix yourself, do this. I I never saw a treatment plan. I didn't know what they were writing down. Um so that's that was my pivot point, you know? And that's when I, you know, got my feet on the ground, went to grad school. Um was treated not so hot in grad school, you know, because I had a mental health disorder. I was told that I didn't have the con- I didn't have the possibility to contribute to the field. Um, but I persisted, nevertheless. Um, you know, started working as a therapist, working with people who had been abused as they were children. Um, Then completely lost my mind and married again and ended up moving to the Middle East. Wow, I did not know that.